0: time for us to go into the Word. And so if, um, if we want to transition um, to, to that, that would be great. The message today has rather an alluring title, God's Little Harem. And uh, you'll see what we're going to talk about regarding this in, as we go along. But I do believe that this is a word from the Lord. It's definitely something that I had not been um, thinking about, but as the scripture uh, became alive to me, I knew that this was a word from him for us in this season. You know, this um, this pandemic is happening at a time that is testing everybody. And it's testing the world, and it's testing the people of God. The enemy himself is testing out strategies. And fear seems to be the operative word of the day in so many places. And um, there are a lot of folks that are uh, pointing fingers and strife is still trying to be engendered. I mentioned during the filibuster that, um, and you would think that this people would have more common sense than this, but the New York Times this past week in an op-ed blamed Christians, evangelicals for this pandemic. I don't see how in the world that could possibly be entertained, but yet it's put out there. And there are individuals who actually believe those kinds of things. So you see that the times of the end are being brought about right before our very eyes. We're not in fear. We are we're trying to seek the Lord and hear what it is that he is saying uh, in regard to the times and the seasons that are um, in his hand. I, uh, I've heard a lot about the uh, the last horrific visitation of a pandemic that came to our nation. And I'm not talking about H1N1. I'm talking about the Spanish flu that came in 1918 and it killed hundreds of thousands of people in the United States and millions worldwide. And I, I remember my home city of Pittsburgh was very strongly hit by this, and I remember over the years growing up there, while there were still those who um, were uh, survivors of that, they would tell stories of what life was like back then. Uh, Apparently, um, what launched it in the United States was there were 600 sailors who came and disembarked in the Philadelphia Naval Yards and they had been exposed to this flu that uh, had its inception in Spain. And uh, this was in September of 1918. And you know, the, the armistice occurred in, in November of 1918. But, of course, our government didn't know that was going to happen. So they had a big parade, a war bond rally. You know, Uncle Sam wants you to to uh, buy bonds. and so many of the ones that were infected went out into the city of Philadelphia and had this major deal. And within just a couple of weeks, 200,000 people were infected. And um, some of the survivors from Pittsburgh, um, they were talking about how horrific it was because back then they were having almost 100 casualties per week just in Pittsburgh. And they were, had horse-drawn carriages that would take those that had succumbed. And if, if that visited one of the houses, they would put, if it was an older person, they would put a purple wreath on the door. And if it was a, a younger one, it would they put a white one. And then they ran out of wreaths. There were so many people that were dying. And so they just put some flowers out. They also wore a little packet of herbs around their neck, thinking that this would keep them from contracting that terrible disease. And all it really did was help with social distancing because it smelled really bad. It didn't really do anything to help people. And they told about how when the quarantines were over, school started back up and the teachers um, removed the chairs of uh, the students that were no longer with them. And it was a strange thing for these young children to go back and realize that uh, this had really impacted uh, the nation and even their classmates. So, you know, these kinds of things um, are, are terrible, but somehow the Scriptures give us the, uh, the assurance that God is with us. And we have, in this past couple of weeks, declared the blood of Jesus prophetically, over our households and over our churches and over our people, believing that the efficacy of the blood in, uh, in connection with the first Passover was more than enough to preserve from the death angel or the destroyer. And if the blood of those animals in Egypt could do that, how much more does the blood of Jesus have power to protect us in this time. Of course, it does. And so we're still believing that, you know, we're, we're walking in wisdom. We're wise as serp- serpents and harmless as doves. We're still believing that God's power and his blood is upon us and we need not be in fear. But we also need to rem- remember that our purpose and our calling is in God's hands. He has ordained us to live during this time. There is a mission that we as saints have to fulfill, and no one's going to be able to take us out of his hand. No power, no plague, nothing is going to be able to keep us from fulfilling what God has ordained for us to be and to do. And so we, we dispel fear by the power of the agape of God, and we cast it out. And again, we're wise. We're we're following what God gives us to do. We're not not going beyond what we should do, but we are staying firmly in the pathway of righteousness, fulfilling what His mission is, but also um, knowing that God is watching over us. And so um, as I prayed about what God wanted me to share with you today. i spent a lot of time in the latter part of this week thinking about the Sabbath. We're, we're going to talk about that at the very end of the message because that I really believe that God is using this time frame as a, as a positioning point for the sons. We're we are to come before Him and give him thanks and reflect, on what he's done and what he's said. And we then begin to look forward into the new day that is going to be soon with us. So we need to look at the factors that are impacting our life right now from the perspective of the Lord and know that his ways, his mind, his promises are in effect. And we are following that. So we've been given this time to be um, to be absolutely reflective. You're you're either at home or you are in a sheltering in place. And don't despise that. Use it. Use it for the Lord and make your place of abiding, a holy tabernacle. And spend time with him. View it as a Sabbath rest. View it as a time. In fact, the last sheet, I've obviously gone on into that. This is not the message. This is just an, a rejoinder to, um, to be faithful. You know, the three passages, there are so many. You know, the Bible speaks about the land being in Sabbath. And there's so many passages about the Sabbath. But In Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested, nuach, the seventh day, wherein Yahweh blessed, barach, the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Now there are some who say, you believe in creation in seven days. Well, a a year, a day with the Lord is a thousand years. We don't know exactly what all transpired in the development. So, and we also don't know what happened in that gap between when God first created the earth, the rebellion of the enemy, and then when it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So I'm not at all dissuaded by carbon dating or by anything that is seen geologically. To me, that does not disprove what God says in his word, you know, there's a big gap of time between Genesis 1-1 and the without form and void. There's And a lot of what happened there, we don't really know. We know there was a rebellion of the enemy. We know there was battle that ensued. We know that the earth was thrown into darkness. This beautiful thing that God created as a footstool and as a reflection of his glory was suddenly now a war zone. So we don't know how long that happened. We've talked about this in the past, but you know, when you um, when you speak about nuclear winter, or we speak about nuclear bombs that were dropped, and nuclear the Chernobyl instances, and you know, there 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 has to be a period of time to to uh, allow that to to heal and to be cleansed and when you speak about demonic rebellion against the Most High God, how much time had to be before there was a settling of that? We don't know that. But because we don't know it doesn't mean that we uh, cast ourselves to the whims of human fancy and say, well, all the Scripture is just baloney. And, you know, you hear a lot of people today, the, the talking heads on TV and on social agenda say you know you christians are anti-science because you believe in creation no we're not anti-science we just believe in god we're not disputing what we see in the world in an archeolog- archaeological digs we're not disputing any of that but your assessments of it has more of a of a measure of faith than what we exhibit when we say god's in it all so i do believe that god rested newach that seventh day is a time where we are supposed to commune with God's presence and His Spirit. Exodus 31, verses 16 through 18, it says that we should celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations, a perpetual covenant. It's a sign. On the seventh day, God entered the Sabbath and was refreshed, napash, to take a breath. And this word also describes the throat. I think that's very interesting that one of the challenges that is happening with this current virus is people who are challenged by it having a difficulty breathing, and their throat seems to be inflamed. Um, I, I, I think this is very interesting. God was refreshed on that seventh day. He took a breath. Uh, he he enjoyed the free flow of his, of his spirit. And then in Romans 9, it speaks about Yahweh Sa, when that is a military consignment, a positioning and and the seed having been left in a, in a tumultuous time, this is a quote from Isaiah. And so we should be thinking about, in this time where we are sequestered, this time should be a time where we allow the breath of God to commune with us. We welcome him, that we that we enjoy, the deepening of our expressions with him, and that we position ourselves for what he wants in the new day and and how we're to go forth as his mighty army. So don't don't view this time as some horrible thing. Um, yes, we are saddened by those who are suffering. Yes, it's not as if we're unaware of what's going on around us and we should show kindness when we're able to be around people. You know, during just the times where I've been in the grocery store, I've joked about this a little bit, but it's not from a standpoint of uh, not caring. You can just see the fear on people's on so many people's faces, and we should be a light to people uh, loving and, and smiling and being those that don't walk in fear. So... Um, But use this time not as a punishment, but as a time of reflection, knowing that God knows how to turn all things for his good. So now we come to the message of the day and this God's little harem business. Now, about the only thing we know, as uh, I guess uh, Westerners, about harems is we think of uh, people, I don't want to be racist here, but people who are. From the uh, Arabia or the, the the historical context where sheiks and individuals had harems, and these were usually young women that they kept for their for their own entertainment, and it meant that they were secluded, that they were set aside, and that they were protected, and really, um, if anybody would uh, would come and uh, defile that harem, uh, there were consequences, severe consequences. And that's about the only thing we know about this word. But the, the issue is that out of the common heritage of, of Abraham, that word came from a Hebrew word, harem, which means to physically seclude, to shut in. It's a devoted thing or militarily something that had been earmarked for destruction. You know, Jericho was earmarked for destruction. They were shut in. So it could either be something that is a devoted thing and holiness to God, and we'll look at that in in some scriptures, or it could be something that was earmarked for conquest or for uh, a military type of a stratagem. So, This word is used in the signature passage we're looking at, and it's the last verses of the Old Testament. And it's Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Remember you the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahweh. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And curse there is harem. Now let's talk about this. We believe that we are certainly walking in the in the, the days that are, God has prophetically described as the time of the end. Um, I don't know really where we are in this, but we're definitely in it. And I know every generation for the past, however long, has thought they were in those days, but as we've talked about, if there were ever a time when the scriptures um, could be fulfilled, uh, times where what is whispered in a closet is shouted from the rooftops, a time where... Somebody across the world could see two witnesses laying in the streets uh, dead and all the world rejoicing. Until this point, that really could not have been. But now it is. And so we definitely see God's uh, hand being manifested concerning end-time scriptures. And it's, it's happening. We've been talking about the Elisha's coming and those fathers and sons working together. And that's begun to be manifested. And we see that that has been a work that God has been engendering and fulfilling, not to the degree that we're going to see it, but from the time where we felt that this was a prophetic edict and we began to declare it, we've seen that happening miraculously. And so it is happening, and it's going to continue to to move. And perhaps God has given these uh, these sequestered places for young people to be visited by the Spirit of God, to be visited by the breath of God, to be drawn into a deeper relationship with Him. And, And perhaps one of the advantage points of this happening is that God is going to be turning this to the good, in the young people and in the elder people. Now, if you don't get too torn up, am I an Elisha or I'm Elijah? Well, you answer that for yourself. Have you been in this for a while? Have you been walking as a saint? You figure it out. If there are young ones that are coming along that have not known this message, but yet God is miraculously bringing them, that's there. You have a responsibility to help to train them, whether you're 30 or 90, you have a responsibility for that. So don't get caught up in, in whether you're in one or the other. Just know that you're in one of them. And God is doing that. But what we've not looked at is in conjunction with this, God says, lest, in King James, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, I just pulled up three, um, three other translations and posted them on this sheet. One of them is from the Holman Christian Standard Translation. And it says, He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. The NIV, for all of you vineyard folks. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Great and dreadful. Great means... It's kind of a playoff of Elijah and Elisha. Great means something that has been established, something that is uh, well-founded. It's something that is ancient. It has nothing really to do with bigness, but more of maturity. So that is the great, and dreadful is applicable. Dreadful is something that has an effect. So you have, again, almost a peretz You have an Elijah and Elisha for the, for the day of Yahweh when his plan is really being manifested and played out. So you've got almost like what is in the thesaurus, the peleos and the Kynos. So the great and terrible is the established, the mature, and the outplaying of it. Now, it may be dreadful to the eyes of those that are squeamish or fearful. It may be terrible to those that have no hope. But for us, we need to recognize that this is all in God's plan. It's not that he's causing it. It's just happening. And so, um, you know, some people say, well, if God's in control, why does he let these things happen? I know you didn't get to hear this live, but Monica referenced that uh, in her Sunday school class. But, you know, the thing is, is that people like to call things acts of God. They they like to say any terrible thing is something that God did. You know, life is a series of events. There are things that have happened in my life that I didn't like at all. And it was there for me to overcome. It was there for me to grow stronger in. It's not like God's sitting up on his, on his throne causing problems. You know, there are, people, there are people right now who are really not following Christianity who believe in the science of um, global warming. And so they blame all of the warming and the, the, the melting of glaciers and the melting of Greenland and the sea rising and drought and all these things. They blame that on man. But as soon as an earthquake or something hits or a a hurricane, then it's God's fault. But then they have a problem because they don't really don't believe in God. So, you know, we just need to be careful that we recognize that we're partnering with the Heavenly Father. He has laid things out. Prophetically, he sees what is going to be transpiring. And, you know, this isn't really the message today, but we should not ever worry about how God is going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. Here's a rule of thumb for me. I know that no matter what goes on, there's one thing that I can hold on to. There's many things, but there's one thing, and that is the God that I serve is going to accomplish what he has said he's going to accomplish. So that's my perspective. That's my compass point. That's my target that I look to. That's That's the end result of the prophetic. So if if you walk through life damning everything and looking for challenges and looking for people to blame, you're never going to overcome anything. You're going to be overrun instead of overcome. And so for us, we need to recognize that we're serving God. And if you're not serving God, you need to get on board. But the point is, is that this day where God's plan is going to come to fruition, is is, we're walking in it. And part of that is that there's a stirring of the Spirit of the Lord on behalf of those that are walking in an established walk with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about those who are men and women of Elohim who know God. And those that would come under the direction of the Spirit, to serve alongside them. That is what God's Spirit is working on in a mighty way right now. Even the things that we we have lined up for our network, whether it be West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, whether it be um, the great gathering that is scheduled in uh, places in South America for this year, whether it's the France endeavors that are scheduled, Whatever it is, we're believing that many people, no matter what their ages are, they don't have to all be young in age, uh, that many people are going to come alongside those prophecies that are in the Old Testament about those that come and want to touch the hem of the garment and be called by our name. And ten will come and follow along. I mean, those are things that God is doing, and we need to believe for that. We need to believe for that. This is what the last part of the Old Testament says. That is coming. and But then it says, otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And Young's literal, before I come and utterly smitten the land. That's, uh, that's a unique phrase. Young is the one that did you know, the other concordance, you had Strong's and Young's. Uh, somehow Strong's cornered the market, but Young's is a really powerful concordance too. And this translation from him is one of the most accurate in, that's available. I didn't quote from the Fire Bible because I didn't think my pages would be able to, they might have ignited it, I printed it on that. Yeah, or the Passion Bible, I may not be able to stand up here, there'd be just too much passion, I don't know. Um, too much passion, that's too much passion. That sounds like a Monty Python routine. (laughs) Brother Maynard, bring the Passion Book. But see this phrase here. It's the very last words of the Old Testament. And it says that in conjunction with the day of Yahweh, in conjunction with Elijah and Elisha, there would then be God using. Him smiting the earth with a harem, to physically seclude, to shut in either a devoted thing or something that is earmarked for destruction. This is not the normal word for curse. And I think if if we look, when in our lifetime have we seen our nation here in the United States, France, Brazil, all the other nations, in a mode of harem. When have we seen that? When when have we seen that? We have not seen that. The entire globe brought into something very similar to what God says he is going to smite the earth with. And I know that this is a sign from God. This is a sign from God. And so when we are there in this Sabbath time, waiting on God, breathing His presence, looking to what He would say to us, having an eye toward the new day, and there will be a new day, there will be a time where this thing passes, and when that time comes, we need to be ready, not just to go out to dinner, not just to drive across and have a picnic in the park. But to, not just to have a convening again within our church or churches, but we need to be ready to, to break forth as a mighty army, as a, under the Lord's Sabaoth, and to see the hand of God move. You know, this is an interesting time. That's what this, the seventh day is, that's what the day, the, the spirit of truth and sonship is. You're reflecting upon all the things that God has given, you are resting, breathing. Fellowshipping with him, being equipped for the new thing, and you're looking forward to what's coming. You should not be being caught off guard. Don't get all your news from CNN or Fox or for whatever scrambles when you pull up your internet. Don't, 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 don't let that be your guide. Spend time with God. Spend time with him. Recognize this moment is given to you. It's not a damnable thing. It's something that is in the prophetic heartbeat of God, and we need to look at it accordingly. And I believe that what God is going to do is going to be profound if we begin to view it this way. Think of that. All the times you've read the, the last word, the last word in the Old Testament is this to be physically secluded, to be shut in. To be devoted, preserved, or earmarked for a, a destruction It's one or the other. I, I I think that is that is something we need to see, and we don't need to bypass it or or diminish it. We believed in that Elijah and Elisha promise, haven't we? And and we as saints have seen this begin to happen. It it we need to be praying and promulgating this through our prophetic declarations that this is happening now and what we're going to see in the months to come is an explosion of not just young people but people who are hungry for what God has given. The great and terrible, the great and terrible day of Yahweh, that established, great, that mature, that founded thing from the foundation of the world and that outplaying of it, that's what's happening in the fulfillment of Yahweh's plan in this hour. These young ones are coming alongside. I, I was reading a, an article about Satchel Page, who was a baseball pitcher in the Negro Leagues, and then he pitched in major leagues when the color barrier went. And he, people was always asking him how old he was. And, of course, he didn't really know. I, I don't think he knew. Um how old he was but he was much older than what he portended to be but he said you know we need to start how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were think of that how old would you think you are if you didn't know exactly how old you were so you cannot say that somebody who's an Elijah is 30 and younger you cannot say that even though there's a harvest of that age group coming we should be young at heart. We should know that God is touching people that are 50, 60, 70 who've not heard this message, who are going to come online with what God's called them to be. They will come alongside and learn because it's really a matter of, of following. Do, do you know how when David began became king, he was not the oldest tool in the box I mean, there were warriors who followed him. Why? Because he knew God. When Samuel was moving and ministering, he was the youngest one in Shiloh, and yet he was the one God spoke to. So it's it's about your positioning with God. And so that's this Elijah-Elisha thing, and what we should be looking at is a great harvest of people who are hungry for God, and I pray that this season will equip them in their heart to want that. And we need to be ready to to move quickly when this Sabbath moment ends, when this harem ends. You know what? I have a feeling that we're going to know a lot of these over the years to come. It's hard to imagine. But what we do now before our God is going to cause us to grow strong in it. And uh, so, lest I come is not necessarily, if you don't do this, I'm going to come. You know, if you just don't go to bed, I'm coming in there. You know, not that kind of thing. But it says that in conjunction with this, uh, I'm going to use this for my good. Maybe, maybe there are some who weren't hearkening to it. The initial call. How many times in Scripture were there several calls? There are a number of those. You know, um, (laughs) I just happen to believe that the saints are those that are, as Amos says, hearing before God does a thing, pioneers. And because we started talking about that, doesn't mean that everybody else was. And this could be, there, there always needs to be a pioneer. There always needs to be a remnant that breaks the ground. There always needs to be those who go ahead and say, we, we can do this, and establish things in the spirit realm. You know, the, y- yesterday, I don't normally do this, but I was looking on Spotify for um, some, some music that I had not heard. And I, I just looked up saints. And I was amazed to see that there are some prominent teachers who are now talking about a group of people known as the saints that are coming on the scene to do exploits for the kingdom of God. I was stunned by that. And it wasn't just that they were people of money. Uh, now, again, I'm not following them. I'm not, I'm not saying, well, finally, you know. But we need to recognize that when you really are moving as a saint, you're going to be a pioneer you're going to be partnering with God as a remnant, and hopefully you're going to be paving the way for others to come. It's like that Rick Pino song, Pioneer. You know, you go in, nobody notices you, nobody knows you, and others will come along, and uh, they'll they'll walk the pathway that you that you forged. And um, you know, I was reading a book um, this past week. I'm still reading it about uh, American. Folk hero Kit Carson, who was just a, an amazing individual in the Southwest back in the uh, mid 1800s, and how that he, he would forge pathways. He would, he would uh, make, he was like a pathfinder that guided Fremont in California. He guided Kearney throughout New Mexico and what, uh, what is Arizona. And, you know, he became such a name by people, but he never made any money off of it. People would write books about him and make money, and he was just happy to be what he was. Pioneers are that way. And, um, you know, I I believe that God loves the pioneer. It's why he loved Joshua and Caleb. It's why he loved Moses. It's why he loved those that would hear him and go before the rest of 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 the group decided that it was a holy thing to do. But, you know, I'm I'm believing that the things that we've prayed and the things that we have tried to pattern have set a stage in the spirit realm for others to follow. And as we break through, and we will break through as a nation, out of this sequestering, out of this pandemic, it's, it's going to be something that we need to be ready for. And we need to be hearing from God, we need to be breathing His breath, we need to be anticipating what's coming. We need to be ministering in the heavens in intercession. We need to be ready to see the Elishas and the Elijahs come together. We need to know that the plan of Yahweh, the great and terrible one that's been forecast for this end time, we've been praying according to what God's will is in the Thesaurus in heaven. And we, we know that this is going to happen. And everything that happens in the dreadful part, I wish we had translated that a little bit better, but Um, anything that happens is going to be in conjunction with the fulfillment of those ways of God. We need to be ready for this. And really, uh, those two seem to go hand in hand. You've got the plan in God, you've got Elisha's and Elisha's, and you have this, this season of being drawn together as holy unto the Lord. Those are the last words of the Old Testament. And, and it set the stage for 400-plus years in that intertestamental period. What it's setting the stage is for us to welcome the kingdom of God. So don't damn this thing. Don't give place to fear. Don't go into a stressful tizzy fit because you, you, you can't go out and do the things you want to do. Maybe this is a time, maybe it's a fast before the Lord for you to say, uh, Well, God... I need to lay down all this stuff, and I just need to seek you. Um, I don't know I know, you've got Disney+, Plus, you've got Hulu, you've got Netflix, you've got all these other things, you've got all these teachings online. I think maybe we should set aside a bit of time every day where we don't do any of that. We just wait on the Lord and ask him for his breath so that we can commune with him in new and fresh ways, love him, put our hearts before Him so that we can be commissioned for our role in His army as remnant saints as the, on the razor's edge of what He's doing and stay ahead of the curve of what God's bringing. This is what we should be thinking because that's why God has brought us as holy before Him. Page 2 on your outline. I'm not really earmarking the verses that talk about war, even though there are many. And it, it is always God saying, I have set this thing apart for you, whether it's Jericho or whatever. This is a harem, and, and I'm, I'm, I've earmarked this for victory. May God give us insight as to which dimensions of nations, which places in our nation, which possibilities have been earmarked for victory that he has secluded and carefully watched over for victory. That's what we need to be looking at. I didn't focus on that today, but it's there. A devoted thing is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 21. But the field, when it goeth out in the jubilee, shall be holy unto Yahweh as a field devoted. There it is, harem. The possession thereof shall be the priests. I love that. All of you priests and kings and prophets. Leviticus 27, further, verse 28. Notwithstanding no devoted thing, all harem, that a man shall devote unto Yahweh of all that he hath, both of man and beast, of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing, harem, is most holy unto Yahweh. None devoted, which shall be devoted of men, shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to to death. If you try to preserve something for yourself, it's not going to work. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is Yahweh's. It is holy unto the Lord. And it goes on. But the link between the tithe, and we've studied a lot over the past few weeks on that, and this devoted thing. We need to remember that this is what God is saying, the last word in the Old Testament he has put forward for his people, his Elijahs and his Elishas, who are in conjunction with the way of Yahweh, both great and manifested. That's terrific. Now, let's look at... um, Derivative of harem haram, a devoted thing or a band signified for destruction. Micah four thirteen, Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and you will beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate haram their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto Yahweh of the whole earth. That is dominion. That is conquest. And I think we should be looking that we are the daughters of Zion. We need to prepare ourselves to arise and thresh. We need to, we need to basically get our, our armaments ready because God has dictated places that have been in the hands of the enemy, that are in the hands of carnal people, And God has earmarked them through the power of the cross and through his directive to see great visitations of the Spirit of God. These have been wholly dedicated to God, and that's there. Now, the last scriptures we want to look at today is is in regard to Mount Hermon. And this is when they saw Mount Hermon, which is three peaks, the largest of which the highest of which is over 9,000 feet. It's the highest peak in Israel, and this in Israel, and it's considered the holiest mountain in Israel. And this, uh, from here, the Israelites could go up on top of this mountain, and they could see for well over 90 miles, and they could see well into the, the enemy territories, and they could get a head start. It was almost like ancient radar. And, And significantly in the New Testament, two major things happened at this mountain. One, at the base of the mount, near Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had that discussion with Peter where, who do men say that I am? He asked his disciples. Peter said, you're the son of the living God, you're the Christ. And Jesus then talked about the gates of Hades, and they won't prevail against the ecclesia. And that happened at the base of this mountain. And most biblical scholars, just the next chapter, Matthew 16, Matthew 17, consider this to have been the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured, where Moses and Elijah came, came, and Jesus' face glowed. Um, So Mount Hermon had a very significant place in Israel, still does. It's the only place where they can go and ski, but spiritually it was considered the holiest mountain in in Israel. And um, um, Jesus used this mount for two of the most significant things, his transfiguration and that declaration about the church taking the the hidden gates, uh, uh, the ecclesia being what they're to be. Now, what we know mostly, about Mount Hermon, comes from Psalm 133. We had a lot of psalms this morning already. Here's another one. Behold, how good and how pleasant, Tob and the offspring of it. There again, that's what, what, what God has said and what, um, how it plays out. It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head, that then ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the Barach, even life forevermore. This is interesting because it speaks about Tob and the manifestation of Tob. It speaks about brethren dwelling together in a cord. And it speaks about the anointing that comes from the head down, so everyone is functioning in the same manner. And then it speaks about the dew of this highest of places and the dew on the mountains of Zion, or the dry and twisted place. You know, God wants us to view this season, and again, this is the same word, it's the same word that God says he is visiting upon the earth in these end times. So we need to view ourselves in this way. And let's, let's just reiterate them. Um, the message is just almost over. So hopefully you're, you're back with your java or whatever it is that you're, you're getting ready. Listen to this reiteration. God has given promises to his people. God has um, spoken prophetically in this season. God is working His eternal plan right now. And we as intercessors need to keep seeking Him. And we need to be listening to Him. In these times that are uncertain in the world, God has put a table before us in the presence of whatever it is the enemy would try to do. And um, I believe that That God wants us to recognize that we are preparing in Him. We're breathing His breath. We're communing with Him. This is not a blight. This is a blessing. It's a time of, of opportunity to know our God and to be prepared for what is going to happen when this season is gone and we're breaking through into the new day. We need to believe that there's going to be an unprecedented uh, expanse into those that are going to be coming alongside and who will be trained in the things that God has uh, led us to pattern for them, building this mighty army. And we need, to, um, we need to be looking to what God would say and prepare ourselves, not in fear, but in anticipation we need to believe that God is with us, that we are holy, and we are, we are enjoying this time that God has given us to know him. And, and really, we need to begin to pattern what to do during these times because I, I'm not forecasting this, but some of the things we read about in the Bible, there are going to be some, some perilous times that are going to be coming on the earth that are much worse than this. And so we need, to, we need to learn from God what to do during this time and not just say, Whew, when it's over. We need to emerge from this as overcomers. And, and when, when God gives a, a moment of challenge in the sila, we overcome in that and come away with blessing. We need to recognize that this is an end time moment. And we need to know that Yahweh is working his plan. It's imperative for us to be founded upon what he has said he is and what he has said he's going to do and know that that is our fulcrum point from which the the great blessings, the pleasant things, or the sad translation, the dreadful things are known. We need to recognize that during this time God is with us. He is watching over us. He is protecting us. He's meeting with us. And He is consecrating points of victory, points of dominion, points of overcoming for the days that are ahead. We're looking forward into them. And we should be believing for commune with God in the highest places in His heart. We need to allow Him to cause us to be changed into his image. We need to allow him to speak to us about (laughs) what we as the ecclesia are supposed to be doing. And those gates of Hades will not prevail because God has ordained them for his army that he's preparing right now. See, look at this militarily. This is like a great planning session for our God. It's a a bivouac of his his commanders, of the elite forces. And we are gathering together in God to hear his plan and to know what it is that he's wanting to accomplish, to listen to him. to to recognize that that gathering is not a punishment. It is an honor that we are with Him. And we need to look forward to um, what He has earmarked in the days to come, how His plan is going to manifest, how He's going to be adding blessing, and how He's going to be adding those that will come alongside and say, let us go with you. All of those things are transpiring right now. And this is a good thing. It's a training time, but it's also setting the stage for pr- the principle that's going to be played out over and over again for as long as God lives, allows us to live, for as long as God allows this world to keep moving forward. You even think about some of the prophecies in, in Daniel and in um, Revelation. And how God covers his people with his wings. And God carries them away to a hiding place. And you see those things. Those are all manifestations of this harem. So just know that as awkward as it feels, everything's awkward when it's change. I mean, it just is. I mean, it just is. You know, think about the big changes that have happened in your life whether it's going to school for the first time or whether it's whatever it is. I could list a bunch of them. Every one of them feels, even though you may be excited about it, you've got to change. You've got to keep on being changed into his image so that you can adapt and overcome. And, but, but throughout it all, you never forget those things that are eternal. And this is what God, I believe, is saying for us right now. So don't view these days as things that are fearful. Do what you're supposed to do. Be a good citizen. But for right now, you know, you choose your battles. You choose your battles. You don't just go thumbing your nose at the government so early on. What good is that? I mean, yeah, I recognize I'm not really happy that churches can't meet right now. I understand the viewpoint, If there comes a time where churches can't meet for some other reason, then that's when we begin to to maneuver. Don't quote me on that. Somebody's going to pull that up. Five. See, this is what he said. Choose your battles. You know, you you don't just go swinging your sword at every moment. Right now, we need to be good citizens. And use this time to seek the heart of God. People may be running around like chickens with their head cut off, just fearful, just, you know, this is revealing the integrity of people. You're seeing what's really in people, or the lack thereof. You're, You're seeing what's really in people by what they do under stress. And because they whack out doesn't mean that you should be scandalized. I mean, I don't like it any more than anybody else does. But just know, I mean, you know, it, wouldn't it be great if the first sign of trouble, toilet paper doesn't disappear from the shelves? You see how people are all for the, all for one <laughs> not, not one for all, all for one and um, so it reveals it reveals what's really in people. So you need to let what's in you be revealed before God and don't view this time as a time of terror. Don't get stressed out over it. View it prophetically. Look at it from a Sabbath viewpoint. Look at it from this harem viewpoint. And honestly, in all the times I've read this, most preachers, they they only get to Malachi 3 because that's the tithe one. But the last word is this very thing. Don't miss that. Use it for the kingdom. Lay claim to what God wants to do in you and and view him as doing some amazing thing now, preparing you for even, I don't want to say even more amazing things because God loves you, but manifestations of those amazing things in the days to come. Amen? So I declare over all of you saints the blessing of the Lord. You know, God commands the Barach through this. You've knelt before him last Sunday morning and submitted yourself to what he wants to do in you. And you, you may want to do that every day. In fact, before we go offline here, we're going to partake of communion. I, I ask you to uh, get the, the communion uh, ready in your house, wherever you are. Um, in fact, um, we're, we're just going to partake of that. So... Um, Monica, would you come and Kelly, would you come and would you just just distribute these i I made sure that we didn't have more here than the law allowed. Um, let me let me have I'll let Fabian have that one in the center since he longs for it so much. Okay. Um, I declare over you the blessing of the Lord. I declare over you. You're calling from God. Maybe somebody's tuning in right now and you've never seen me or maybe you've known me and you thought, well, I'll just take a gander at what this guy's doing. I'm preaching the word. I mean, if, if you want a message that just says, oh, honey, everything's going to be OK. You just know God loves you. you there's a lot of those around. But, and we know that and we cherish that. I want to be serving him. I want to see the fullness of what he is doing in this time frame. So I bless you. Maybe you're one that God's called alongside to join and to be a mighty son and daughter of the King of Kings during this season. Maybe that's what you're called to to do. Maybe you're tuning in today by divine directive. I bless you in that. But let's not look at this time as if all is lost. We're not in fear. We are people of purpose. And so uh, I speak his protection over you. Remember, we declare the blood of Jesus over your household, that the plague will not come nigh you. We declare the blessing of the Lord. And we are very, very thankful for that blessing. It It is a strength to us. And so spend this time every day seeking after the heart of God and look over these verses. You know, the beauty of this is that this message can be replayed on archive. You can go and study it, um, study the scripture. But I do know this is a word from God for us for this day. So if you have your communion, um, Father, we thank you for this bread with all the things we could say about this. You gave yourself as a sacrifice for us, Jesus, so that we would be redeemed to our Father. We thank you for this. The body of Christ is us, and it's built upon commune with our Father. This word represents um, a commune with the Father. The bread is our commune with the Father, and we then become his body on this earth. So, Father, I ask you you will use us in these moments, to be what you want us to be. Help us, Father, not to miss any of the things that you would speak to us as your body. Thank you for giving yourself so that we can serve you in this way. And we partake now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's partake. We're also thankful for the blood of Jesus in so many ways. Cleanses us from sins, redeems us to the Father. The spirit of adoption rests upon it. It purchased the new covenant, That those Tetheme deposits and, and edicts from God. The Bible says it's the New Testament in your blood. And it is a sprinkling that touches the places that the Spirit has earmarked for the visitation of His glory. We're thankful for that. But we also thank God that it is a covering, it's an empowering. And we declare in this season that your blood is upon us to do everything you want to do, empowering us, releasing the directives of our Father, and protecting us from the plague, from the pestilence, noisome or otherwise, Your blood is upon us, and I speak health, I speak life, I speak encouragement, I speak function, I speak cheerfulness, I speak commune with our Father, and I speak absolute protection in all of its dimensions because of the blood that is upon you, the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for this We believe, Father, that as we partake, this is an indication that you're doing these things. We do this in remembrance of you, and we thank you for it, Father. So we partake now in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. Your spirit is with all of our people. No matter what nation, no matter what city, no matter what home throughout this particular metroplex area, we're one in you. Your spirit is with us. And I speak blessing now. Thank you for this privilege of being able to commune this way. Use your people. In the way you've ordained, and thank you for your word. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in. And again, you can listen to this again. You can listen to the Sunday school class this morning, watch it. You can participate in the worship time. You avail yourself of all the archives that are available on the website. A message of the week in French tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Saints Radio, Wednesday night, live on Wednesday. We're going to be here trying our best to present this. So we we just pray that nothing goes awry and that the Internet is functioning the way it should. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great, great day in Him.